Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Chef Podcast with me, Chef Sean Boucher. Hey, how are you? Nice to be here with you. Nice to share some time and to be able to talk about something that we are all very passionate about, and that is making food and making money. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us. And without further ado, let's talk a little bit about who we're who we're talking to today. Uh, my good man, Steven, is probably one of the most talented individuals I have ever seen in my life when it comes to fruit and vegetable carving, and he has quite an interesting journey. As with a lot of our guests, it's untraditional, and it is something that I think a lot of us can relate to, some of the challenges and struggles he's gone through and the ups and downs in his journey, and I'm just looking forward to getting into it. So... I'm going to stop yakking and let's dive right in and uh, let Stephen tell us a little bit about what his past looked like and his journey coming up. So, you know, culinary arts was never, uh, it was never on the map. It was one of those things that kind of found, that kind of found me. It was kind of, uh, uh, it was destiny. It was fate. Um, I actually had a scholarship to be a lawyer and, um, through the circumstances of life, I lost my scholarship. And uh, I met a lady who would forever change my life, uh, Rebecca Labowitz. I met this um, home, epi- home economics teacher, um, for lack of better words, in high school. And she ran, a, we had a restaurant that she uh, took care of. And usually faculty and staff and some outside uh, patrons would, would come in. And uh, I met her and she invited me to join. And the rest is history that uh, Rebecca Lewis changed my life. She gave me a little bit of the taste, so to speak, of culinary arts, and I just took it and ran with it. Yeah. So uh, I went to uh, culinary school in Pittsburgh, uh, which was uh, I had never even worked in a restaurant before before I went to uh, culinary school. And I had some great opportunities uh, when I went to school there. But then um, I had a life changing uh, literally moment when I did my internship at the Amway Grand Plaza Hotel in Grand Rapids, Michigan, four-star, four-diamond resort. Uh, Joseph Huber, who was a world-renowned chef, and uh, but my mentor was, um, I mean, someone who, who just, he just definitely left his print on my life, Chris Madison. Um, the, the, this man, uh, old-school chef, he, he uh, it was funny, he would sit there in time when that ticket came into the kitchen, and that's when he wanted his vegetables. That's when he wanted his protein, his sauce, and so on and so forth. Old school chef, old school chef, uh, but young at heart. And he, I mean, he literally made me into the man that I am. Uh, even, well, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the garbage uh, part, but the perfection and the timeliness of food and the consistency, I owe to Chris Madison. Um, definitely owe that to him. Um, and, uh, actually I got my start, uh, working in nursing homes. I worked in long-term care facilities for a number of years for uh, almost nine years, uh, before I switched over to working in, uh, private higher, higher education, which I work now. 
So let, let's talk a little bit about that for a minute. So you you went and did your you went to culinary school, went and did your internship, and then from there you went into long term care, or did you go into long term care before that? Nope, nope. Um, I had to switch. Um, I was actually I was very happy at the whole time. I would have stayed there, but my uh, my father actually had a um, an injury at work, and it was quite severe. Um, he had a freak accident. He worked in a steel mill. And uh, he was cutting a piece of steel and the steel flipped around and it uh, severed his arm open and um, did a quite, quite a lot of damage. And I actually ended up moving back home to help take care of my father um, as he was rehabbing. And uh, in the process is that that's when I found this job uh, working in a very nice higher end uh, retirement community. And um, it was one of its kind. It had just opened up. And that's where I kind of got a chance to kind of cut my teeth in the culinary world was working in this very, very nice um, uh, long-term care private uh, retirement community. Well, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, they look at long-term care and they don't necessarily think, oh, wow, this is a breeding ground for like really high-end chefs or they're just doing really cool stuff. And I think that there's a misconception because long-term care really does have a lot of very talented individuals working in it. And it's not you know, a lot of people think long-term care and they think, oh, nursing home, purees. Yep. It's, and, and it's really not that. So talk a little bit about what, what that property was and, and just some of the highlights from that. So um, the gentleman's name was Dave Hennis. Um, I was 19 years old uh, when Dave brought me on board to manage uh, one of his facilities. And I tell you, though, the expectation was when he looked at me, he says, I want good food. And he says, I don't want any nursing home stigma. He says, these people, these folks have lived their whole life, you know, eating good home cooked meals. And that's what they deserve. And he says, and that's my expectation. And he gave me a blank slate to run with. And it was, it was so great to be able to make real mashed potatoes and you make, you, you know, you would make gravy. And you talk about those people, who, uh, those folks who had maybe some challenges from a dietary standpoint. And I found that, um, you didn't have to um, necessarily, from a dignity perspective, puree the food and just scoop it on the plate. Um, I took the time. I was actually molding food to make it look like the real thing, um, even after it was pureed and uh, using some different um, uh, some different starches and so on and so forth that would bring the product back together. And I would mold it. I would pipe the mashed potatoes and different things of that nature. So from a it was nice from a culinary standpoint to be able to bring that fine dining experience into a long-term care. I think it really helped fast track my career and get me noticed. Well, speaking of getting noticed and, and getting fast tracked in your career, uh, kind of talk about what happened after, after you left that facility and, and moved you forward. You know, uh, it was funny. So uh, they would kind of do like these little happy hours and they would do some uh, kind of repasses at the at this long-term uh, care facility I was working at. And um, one of the things I started doing because I was really trying to make a name for myself is that I remember at the hotel, there was a gentleman who used to do garmage. And I'm not artistic. I never take, have taken an art class or pottery or any of that. But I remember that he used to do these buffet centerpieces. And um, one of the parties that we did, I actually bought a pumpkin carving kit and I used it on a watermelon. Um, the kit was you poked holes in it and you put flour over it and you used a little saw and you scooped it out. And I used to do that for, on watermelons all the time. 
in, um, well, Halloween season, uh, October came and went, and so did all my, uh, my pumpkin carving tools. And so I literally looked on the internet for fruit and vegetable sculpting. And that's where I fell in love with that Thai style that I'm kind of known for in the industry today. And I saw that and I just, I started ordering these books from overseas. I couldn't read none of the words, but I could look at the pictures and I would study it. And I would try to recreate what I was seeing on paper. And so um, you fast forward many years later and one day, like the light bulb went off and I made my actual first carving to actually look like something because people look at my, my carvings now and they think, oh man, I, I've been carving like this my whole life. My first stuff was trash. It was horrible. I don't know what was wrong with people that they thought it was so great, but they will always ask for it. And it was always out there, you know, front and center. But it was many years later that the kind of, like I said, the light bulb went off and then I actually started to look like a little bit more organic. My flowers look like flowers instead of Legos. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't uh, enter my, into my first competition until um, I had my son, my son, Seth. Um, I would never forget this. That, um, it, it was a great sense of conviction for me because I was I would get home from work and I would uh, come home and I would sit in the rocking chair with him. And I was just speaking words of affirmation on my son and tell him, you know, how he's going to grow up and change the world. and He's going to be this great, you know, great man. And I had this great sense of conviction come over my heart because I had never taken a chance. And I felt like some, such a hypocrite. And it was from that moment I joined my first fruit and vegetable carving competition. And out of like 16 competitors, I placed like fourth. And, but I didn't necessarily have an entity. And that's kind of where graffiti carving was born, was from that. That's incredible. I love stories like that. I, <laughs> you know, I think we've all got, we've all got a little bit of that in us. You know, all, uh, you know, the, the what might have been if we had tried. And I think so many people cut themselves short by not ever not ever trying so i'm very impressed it's very it's admirable of you especially doing it for the reasons you did it for so you know let's let's talk about graffiti carving and kind of the evolution of that um from where it started and and where it is today so um <clears throat> i grew up on the uh, south side of canton ohio and um it's not necessarily a big city but um if you would look it up um it's one of the top five small most violent uh, cities that there is in the country. Um, and so I just remember the first form of art I ever saw was graffiti. And I just remember looking at these buildings that was, um, the, whether it was the local gangs or whoever, and they just would just graffiti these, these, these walls or these brick, uh, you know, canvases. And I was like, wow. And I just remember that the point of graffiti is to tag it to let someone know I'm here and this is where I belong. And so um, when I, I began to look at my brand, um, my uh, creative director at the time, he was like, so you, you need to be personal. And when I, I began to tell him my story about, he was like, dude, that graffiti, that's it. But I said, um, there was a huge faith piece that, that, you know, that, that went into it because my father, um, I'm, I'm a junior, I'm named after my father. You know, he instilled inside of me some great values of faith. And, um, and and one of the things that, you know, when he was going through fighting his own demons is that, you know, when he found, when he, when he turned to the church, is that he, everyone went to church at that point. You didn't stay home. 
And um, so if you look at my graffiti carving logo, it has actually a, a cross. And you see the um, the eye and the eye, which represents, you know, the cross of Christ. So, you know, it's much about my faith, but it also was that first form of art I ever saw. But um, where it segues into my brand is that whenever I upload on something on, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, whether it's Instagram, it, people go, that's Beatty, instantly. Like, they, they, don't even, they haven't even, like, scrolled down because it's, it's kind of that thing. It's tagged. I have that kind of unique style of how I carve with mixed medium and people kind of know that's graffiti all day. So I, you know, you've got your brand, you've got your logos, you've got the different things that you're doing with that. What, what services do you offer as uh, graffiti? I mean, what are you doing? Are you doing, you know, real intense vegetable carvings, ice carvings, different sculptures, you know, talk a little bit about what you do for your clients or what do your clients come to you looking for? So, um, <clears throat> so there, there's, um, there's two, um, there's two hairs to this. And, 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 and I try to explain this to people is that there's the competitive part of graffiti, which, you know, you see a lot on the food network shows, um, those kind of the entertainment side. And then you see, um, the competitive part as far as like what I'm entering into when it comes to February with the IKA Olympics in Germany, um, where, you know, it's the best of the world, you know, and it's about the precision and it's about, you know, giving your all and your best presentations and practices. But then I have clients, you know, who want to bring me in for demos. And so let's say Dole Foods, they're, they're at a food show and they're like, we need to get people over to our booth. And so they'll, they'll reach out to me, hey, Steve, we need you at our food show, you know, and I'll come in and I'll carve logos and I'll carve all different sorts of medium and I'll do live carvings and interact with the guests. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of neat because some of these folks see me on TV from the food network challenges and they get a chance to see me in person. So it's kind of a win-win. And so it's great for uh, brand uh, partnership and awareness is that uh, those two graffiti and whoever that comes together and it's, and it's great. But not only for graffiti carving, but um, there's an extension, which is the Stephen C. Beatty brand, which is more definitely is my first love, which is my passion of hot food cooking. And that's a lot of, once again, the, the competitions, uh, demo cooking, uh, recipe development, consulting, and things of that nature, food photography. Um, there's just so many different layers to it. So um, there, I do some ice, obviously. Um, ice isn't one of those things that I gravitate towards. Um, there's just so much that goes in the ice. That has to be your primary thing. Uh, ice carving is more of a hobby than anything else, but definitely when it comes to fruit and vegetable carving, partnership, brand alliance, that's definitely where my sweet spot is. So let's talk a little bit about some of the clients that you, you cater to and some of the things that you've done. You've talked about, you know, food network competitions. So maybe talk about some of the different competitions you've done and how those have, have worked out. And then talk a little bit about some of the clients that you've worked for and done creations for. Absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> 2015, I got my first phone call from the food network and they were, um, doing a new show and it was going to be a uh, Christmas cake wars. And, um, they said, Hey, you know, Steve, we, we got your name. You know, we saw some of your work on social media. He was like, would you be interested in coming out? And actually, I thought someone was playing a joke on me. You know, the carbon community is pretty tight knit. There's only so many of us. And I thought someone was just playing a joke. And I was like, man, get off my phone. 
And uh, <laughs> so lo and behold, it's like, no, I'm, I'm an actual producer from the Food Network. We were interested in having you come out. And um, I tell you that uh, that's one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life is, is when you have to do your talent and you're on TV and you got four and five cameras in your face. Um, and, and it's a pressure to perform and there's no do-overs and you got millions of people who are watching you. And so, um, I did, so I did holiday, um, cake wars in 2015 and, uh, we won that one. You know, we went through, I believe 12 challenges to be, uh, crowned the ultimate champion for that. And then 2017, uh, we did a spinoff of uh, Halloween wars. And so we did a hayride of horror and that was a non-elimination style competition. And we just went head to head for, uh, I believe it was six different uh, themes, which is really cool. And so hopefully, you know, me and the Food Network will link up and we'll do some more, you know, things of that nature. But then obviously I've done a ton of um, uh, competitions to the American Culinary Federation, uh, whether it's gold, silver, bronze. Uh, I've run a gamut of uh, receiving medals on those. Um, but I think one of the coolest partnerships is um, um, every year that the Charlotte Hornets, they do um, a fundraiser. It's called the Hero Gala. And Michael Jordan, um, he puts it on. And uh, I got the call to come out. And I was like, I'm thinking I'm just going to carve a table. You know, I was going to carve, obviously, some logos of, of Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets. But I get there, and they're doing it inside the arena. And they build this big stage. And they put Michael Jordan's shoes and jerseys and all these other players' uh, items to be auctioned off around me carving. And then, but the cool thing about this gala was is that you have to wear some kind of Jordans with a tuxedo or a formal dress. It was the coolest thing in the world. And all the players are there, and I'm sculpting live for about three hours. And it was, it was probably the, uh, obviously from an engagement standpoint, you get a chance to give back to the community because you're raising money. But that was a really cool uh, item was to work with Michael Jordan and the uh, Hero Gala on that one. Um, and obviously doing a lot of stuff locally, locally in the community, working with whether it's uh, the foster care system, uh, cancer research, um, but also I, I've done some really cool stuff with uh, John the Spider Sally out in California for some uh, vegan foods. Uh, the list just goes on and on. Uh, a lot of the celebrities I've had a chance to work with and do some cool things with. Very nice. So let's let's talk a little bit about how you you know you found this passion and how you kind of turned it into a business. Or what what was it that that went from you know wow I really enjoy this to hey I I might be able to make money from this. You know, it, um, it's about the niche. So I teach a lot of young culinarians. Um, I always ask, I get asked that question about how do I, how do I go to the next level or how do I get noticed or what's next for me? And I simply answer, I go, I can't tell you what that is, but um, what I can tell you is that you got to be willing to find something that no one else is doing, do a phenomenal job at it, put it in the forefront of everyone and then keep hustling it and keep pushing it. And they go, really? That's it. So everyone's cooking chicken. Everyone's cooking beef. Everyone's cooking pork. But what is going to be so special about your pork, your chicken and your beef that's going to get people to gravitate towards it? And I say, um, whereas made me a successful culinarian is that everyone is doing a cheese tray, fruit display or whatever the case might be. But when you look at my displays, 
we're using the exact same fruit, but it has that extra care, love, and intentionality to it that goes, wow, that is remarkable. That's a cantaloupe. That's a pineapple. Get out of here. And so it becomes a conversation piece. And whoever wants to do an event, you want people walking away going, man, Sean, did you see that? display that Sean had. That is remarkable because that's the point of putting on a party to entertain is that you want to impress people. And so once I put the two and two together, that uh, through the world of Garmagee and clients' expectations and wanting to entertain and impress people, is that I found that once you can get to the psyche of it, it's an easy sell. Same thing whether it's working with a client, is that when they're doing, once again, a big booth, you got all these other vendors in here. How do you get the word out? that, man, you need to come past the Dole booth. They got Steve Bainey over there carving it. He got this huge display. That's what you need. And so when you, uh, when you get a chance to work with clients and you meet, meet them where they're at, they're more than willing to open up their wallets to make that happen. Very cool. So are you, is this what you're doing full-time or are you doing something else full-time and kind of doing this on the side? So um, I, best way to explain it is that it's uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. So um, uh, I work at Wofford College, which is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's my full-time gig. Um, I, have a, I have a great job there. And um, uh, I'm the director of culinary operations for the campus there. So I touch in uh, all things food. And it's a, it's a great, great, great job, great community. And it fits well with what, where I'm at. Um, and then at night, whether it's evenings, weekends, wherever the case might be, that's my Batman. And so I flipped the script and then, you know, that's where graffiti carving and the Stephen C. Beatty brand really take over. Um, Cause a lot of events are done at night on the weekends that warrant a lot of times that kind of expression. Uh, sometimes there might be some stuff during the day, but I um, mean, I usually work around that, but generally speaking, a lot of it's at night and on the weekend. And so I'm able to fulfill those kind of obligations where I need to fly out of town and fly back in and, you know, and it doesn't interrupt anything. So um, that's kind of uh, the balance of it, the Bruce Wayne and the Batman persona. I love it. I think <laughs> that's a great, way. <laughs> it's a great way of explaining that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think a lot of people are in, in a similar situation that, that maybe you're in as far as just, you know, we want to, we want to start a business. We want to start a brand. We want to do something different. We want to, you know, kind of, do something that's our own, but we also maybe don't want to take on all the risk of, of having to just go all or nothing, you know, and go years Mm -hmm. without a paycheck, et cetera, et cetera. So what advice would you give to anybody who maybe hears this and thinks, you know, maybe, maybe there is a chance that I could have both. What are, what are some of the challenges you see? What are some of the benefits of it? Um, You know, talk a little bit about kind of how you balance all that. So um, number one at forefront um, <clears throat> is your only competition is your reflection in the mirror is that uh, I tell people, get a mirror, look at that image, look at that reflection. And that's who you got to beat every single day. Number two, uh, the price for success, uh, the rent of it is due every day. You know, you never own success. You never become successful. And then that's it. No, the rent is due every single day with success. And um, the third piece of self-investment is that you have to invest in yourself, not only your time, resources, um, money, uh, but um, it's it's quite a bit of sacrifice. I can't tell you how many nights, weekends um, that I've had to sit and practice at the dining room table 
and not going to an event, whether it was a basketball game or hanging out with some of my friends or my family. Um, or once again, I'm carving till one, two o'clock in the morning because I saw this new technique and I'm trying to perfect it. Um, or I'm working on something that I'm trying to get the edge on, you know, my competition, um, wherever the case might be. So, um, it's, it's not easy, but I think that you got to be willing, number one, to invest in yourself and, and see yourself as your competition and not try to be outdo or outshine someone else because you need your own personality because that's what people are attracted to, the individual in their art. So if you're just a spinoff and you sound and you look like so-and-so, they might as well just go to so-and-so to get that art or to get that product. But, you know, once you be, learn and accept yourself as unique, and then that's what you market is your uniqueness with, with your talent and your craft. But um, I just remember my first one year I saved up, it was about uh, $14,000. And I was doing pretty well do, doing my demos and different things like that, working full time. But I, I never forget, someone says, well, how do I find you? I says, oh, you just go on social media. And they were like, well, I don't have social media. So how do I find you? And I went, huh. And so I was like, well, I need a website. And as silly as that sounds is that you need to get a website because not everyone does social media like that. And then I had to do like, um, I had to do some really good research on what does a really good website look like for a culinarian? It's not a cookie cutter. And how does it showcase my personality? And so I went through all of that research and I had to implement it in. And it, it is a price tag that comes along with it. And so I learned the importance of my ability to reflect myself is that I had to pour some of my resources once again, back into myself. And then um, my job, which is great because they love the extra because um, it only circles back to them. So um, they're more willing to be more lenient with my schedule. So if you approach your employer and be like, Hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and this is great partnership. Nine out of 10 times, they're going to want you to shine they don't necessarily have to invest in you financially. They just need to give you maybe a little extra time on the, on the back end and that it works out great. So that's the great partnership that I've uh, developed with my job is that I still work just as hard. I still work about almost 70 hours a week, but you know, if there's a time on a Friday, I might need to cut out a little early on the afternoon. They're like, all right, we'll see you on Monday, baby. And so it's not easy. But um, you got you to gotta be resilient at it. And you can't let those times where it's lean, um, that that's when you quit. You know, I think uh, those lean times where you're not having a great harvest and the phone is not ringing and the email is not buzzing and social media DMs aren't pinging off, is that that's when you got to dig deeper. And that's when you got to be resilient and say, you know what, this is for me and I'm going to outlast this famine. So, you know, you got to be able to, because there was a lot of lean times where I just wasn't getting the phone calls. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Do I just need to fold up and pack up shop? It's like, no, I'm going to go just as hard. And so you reinvent yourself. And then, you know, I, my, my photography got better. The product that I was putting out there got better. It made me a better person, you know, in those lean times. So you just got to be resilient and you just can't stop. You know, I think that's what people do is that they hit a hardship. Something doesn't work their way. Someone tells them no. Someone stands them up and they give up. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's not the answer. And so, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in, you know, not just from a culinary perspective, but any, you know, professionals like that, is that you got to learn to be resilient. No doesn't mean no. Uh, failure only, um, in, my, in my definition of failure is that, is when you cease to give effort to.
that's when you fail. Anything else is a part of the process. And so it's just part of the process that someone told me no or the phone didn't ring. That's part of the process. But um, I didn't fail. That's just part of me on this journey that I'm going to get where I want to go. So definitely. Man, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I'll tell you that that is. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, if somebody hears this and they think, "Man, I want to get a hold of this guy. I want to know more about him. I want to know more about what he does. I want him to come carve for me. Whatever it might be." What's the best way to get a hold of you or take take a look at your stuff? Yeah. So, um, obviously, any social media platform, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. My name's Stephen. Spell P H A N C Beatty B A I T Y, or simply um, www.stephencbeatty.com. Um, one great thing is is that um, it's allowed me uh, to open up a whole nother segue to who I am, which I never thought would happen. Because you ask about this, is that you know I'm flying out to New Jersey to go speak to some inner city kids. It's going to be about three or four hundred of them that are interested in culinary arts, but. Um, the reality is, is um, you don't see a lot of brown skin um, do what I do. Um, and it's not necessarily a quote unquote a bad thing, but um, the light of Garmage just hasn't been brought to a community of like where I grew up. You didn't hear about Garmage um, in, in, in carving and sculpting. So um, it's opened up a, a window for me to be able to go speak to students that look like me and I look like them to say, hey, there's a world of culinary arts that you could be very successful at it if you want to work at it. And so um, not just the cooking and demo part, but I've been able to work and inspire some great students, um, you know, and be able to mentor some great, great students along the way also. So uh, that's the long end and the short of it, but I get so excited about who I am and what I've had the chance to become and, you know, in this journey of my life. So definitely look me up. Man, what, Oh, what an absolute pleasure to to sit and chat with with Steve. He is he is a master of his craft and he has he has paid his dues. He has absolutely done some amazing things. You really ought to go check him out. You got to go check out his stuff. It's just it's incredible. It really is incredible and that's why he's gaining a lot of the notoriety that he is is that he's really taking the time to master his craft and he is he's doing some really cool things so definitely jump on social media go check him out thank you for listening today uh and you know there's a lot of life lessons in there that we can all we can all take to heart persistence determination no doesn't always mean no man we all got to hear that from time to time Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.